0: Hey everybody, this is Zach
1: This is uh, Mr. Triple X
0: <laughs> And uh, this time we're discussing Resident Evil 2 and its remake from 1998 um, But first, what have you been doing?
1: Um, adulting Adulting uh, Yes. And to balance out with adulting, I'm planning out a trip to Disney world and universal studios at the end of the month. Um, I wanted to do the, I grew up in Florida. So Halloween horror nights was always a thing that was mentioned and sort of, uh, an event, you know, that teenage, uh, myself heard about and had some other people that I knew that would go. And, um, I think it's celebrating like it's 30th or 20th year this year. It's like an anniversary for it. Really? Yeah. So, okay. Something like that. And then Disney has a 50th anniversary that they're doing this year. Hmm. So I don't know. I haven't looked into the, into the specific details as to anything special for that. But I do know my main interest is the fact that Disney Halloween's itself up uh, for of course the halloween season and then we'll do universal studios and then we have halloween horror nights which i've never been to um to look forward to and i think they have
0: really really fun we um my wife and i went to um granted this was years ago but Mm -hmm. uh, bush gardens um had a a halloween themed night Mm -hmm. and uh they're, they're they're really fun um, I've only been yeah. to Halloween Horror Nights once as like a little kid, and Frankenstein Frankenstein scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: uh, that's amazing.
0: But no, I hope you guys have fun.
1: Yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, it's interesting being in the mid-30s now and planning on a Disney trip. And <laughs> there are no kids along with us. It is just us. It is just two adults uh, along with two other adults that are friends of ours who were um, just going out and having like a vacation.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's more common than you would think. Like I know um, Mm -hmm. a person that granted they're on the the West coast. So it's Disneyland and I don't Mm -hmm. know how the prices differ, but I'm sure it's not cheap, Mm -hmm. but to um, celebrate, you know, five years of sobriety they bought like season passes to disneyland and just go like every day that they're available
1: (laughs) that's great that's uh my understanding is that disney has uh, large enough of a contingent of people that are very regular regulars yeah that they have enough variety in things to entice people to return Have new experiences, whether it's like limited time foods that they offer, um, or just like little surprises and things that will change. Uh, Because I actually, my wife and I, we went and did a a truncated version of this trip a couple years ago for um, my youngest sister's high school graduation. Okay. Um, that was about, I'd say, maybe five years ago, five, six years ago. And we just did one day at each park. So we did one day at Universal and one day at Disney. One day at Universal, if you've been before, is a pretty good amount of time, especially if you get the two-park uh, kind of ticket. So you get to go to are um, one side of the park that has, like, the Harry Potter experience and et cetera. And then the rest of the side of the park that they have the islands of adventure and then the regular side. And I was sad about the last time I got to go with her because they had recently ended a couple years before the Jaws ride experience. So there's no longer the Jaws ride there.
0: They also ended the T2 battle through time.
1: Yeah. Which was yeah. like so cool. And also the, uh, Um, the King Kong ride is no longer there anymore either. And so I get it from the perspective of, you know, they needed somewhere to put the Harry Potter world. They, Disney has bought out just like way too much land in the area there that they, they don't have the ability to just like buy new land as far as Universal Studios easily. I would gather in order to like build up new park area. Um, so, I mean, things have to go. But uh, I would have liked to have rode the Jaws ride with my wife, you know, at least once. Cause I remember riding it as a kid. Yeah. And you could go online and YouTube and watch people uh, do like their last Jaws ride. And like they video cammed it and like they show people like all the stuff. It's like a way to sort of, uh, you know, record the experience for other yeah. people who won't get to ride it later.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I remember the uh, the King Kong ride. You're in that. Um, that pulley train thing. Yeah. The it's cable car, the in. cable car. Yeah. yeah. Um, I use other words to build other words that people actually know <laughs> like cable car. And so you're moving along and there's like, I think they have the cable car area, like pressurized mm-hmm. or it's very well pyrotechnic. Cause I remember the flashes of flames coming at us and like, they were like really close. And I'm like, Whoa, how is it? Like they, directly like designed as a kid, I was amazed at how close the flames could get to us without, you know, just cindering our bodies.
0: That could have been the reason they took that one out of (laughs) production as well. is because they realized, Oh, there's safety standards now in place (laughs) in 1982 when we built it. (laughs) These, I mean
1: the aging animatronics too, if you just, I remember like things are just like creaking along and like Kong is in the background, sort of doing a Kong thing. Yeah. But not really. I mean, you have to... I, I imagine it's most effective, both of those rides, you know, from a child's perspective, where there's like a little bit of the movie magic kind of in there. And you're not really super critical of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> so when we went five, six years ago, it was in the beginning of August, which is a hellacious time to visit mid-Florida. It was just so hot. But there's there were so many people there still um, because... You know, kids get out of school during the summer and, you know, their parents have to take them out to do something or they they go insane. And (laughs) um, so that was really cool and uh, really truncated because Disney is way too much to get through in one day. Like you could just spend a whole day at one of the parks. Um, Yeah,
0: you'd probably want to take at least a week just for that one.
1: Yeah. And and you could, you really could. I don't know how
0: long you guys are taking for the entire
1: trip. Well, we're we're just going to do three days at Disney and then one day at Universal. That Universal day, excuse me, it's probably going to be one of the toughest because it'll be the day after we get there. And we're going to do regular Universal and then we're going to do the Halloween Horror Nights later on that night. Gotcha. So it's just going to be a lot of walking. I anticipate there's going to be a lot of cranky old older people the next day. I'd be <laughs> it up and trying to survive, but it'll be good. Um, you know, we have uh, thinking of any of these kind of events, like taking precautions for your own safety and it'll be mostly like outside, you know, where we're kind of wandering around and then masking up in some of the areas and they have some better yeah. cleaning protocol and, so in that respect and we're all going to be vaccinated and so we'll uh we'll see how that goes but it'll be nice we we haven't really done any kind of trips as far as a couple other than i think earlier this year we went to go visit chicago for a couple days so okay but yeah that's kind of what i'm looking forward to and Kind of in the docket, planning out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I just have uh, some some uh, media stuff that I've been going through. The um. The most recent is the. Uh, basically, it's a, a a book that my uh, grandmother got me for Christmas. Cool. And it's Do you uh, call her
1: grandmother, like Grammy, ma'am, or a Ma. <laughs> Do you just call her grandmother?
0: I'm no. I'm curious. No, oh, okay. No, 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 no. You can um, keep your name
1: secret. I just wanted to know <laughs> if that was the official title.
0: <laughs> no, but she uh, she got me this this book called The Game Console by Evan Amos. Um, it's really fascinating. It's, so it's a, a collection. It's kind of like a coffee table book, kind of like a um, technical schematic. But uh-huh. it basically has a bunch of different... Um, Game consoles, not not the schematics necessarily, but the um, they're exploded. So they're blown taken up. Yeah, all yeah. All of the the pieces. So you know they have these little like pop up windows next to um, uh, like this is the processor. This is also found in blah 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 blah. blah. That's so cool.
1: Your grandmother knows <laughs> you really so well. Cool. Yeah, look at her. Aww. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, if if you have an interest in, in weird old technology, like most of the consoles are ones that I've never touched in real life. Like they yeah. have, you know, it'd be expected that there would be like a PS1 or an N64 or something mm-hmm. like that. But no, it's it's like the SG1000 <laughs> <laughs> and the MSX <laughs> all
1: those so far sound more like sex toys rather than game systems
0: <laughs> so the SG1000's interesting it was uh, kind of <laughs> Sega's first like foray into the oh, okay the feel like before the master system
1: the sausage Gyrator <laughs> 1000 Got yeah it.
0: well it was it was um it was kind of a piece of pirating technology as well. Interesting. Because it was it was coded so that you could um, play uh what was it? Because they, they didn't have their own games. It was I think it was like ColecoVision games.
1: Wow, so they built a system for playing another brand of games? I
0: th- think so oh no they only had 74 games on their own let's see so they did actually have their own games um,
1: that's still though like building in the opportunity to use someone else's games
0: yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah and i mean this is also a piece of equipment that came out in 83 so like it's graphics and sound cards are both like texas instrument number Mm-hmm. serial number you know man
1: that is so cool
0: but yeah it's such a weird little piece of um media of yeah like, just like looking at all of this old stuff that it's just like yeah i would have no idea how to like tear this apart <laughs> yeah if i
1: initially had like the educational um background and like some familiarity with it as a field beforehand like electrical engineering i think really would have interested me quite a bit um combining like a technical aspect with i do and like software design but then also like getting your hands sort of dirty like i do with setting up my guitars and soldering electronics and stuff oh, that's so cool yeah yeah how big is the book
0: um i mean it's coffee table size so okay. you know it's kind of like a hard hardcover. okay Yeah, you know, basically the size of a Maybe a little bit smaller than like a player's handbook for D&D. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys have one of those, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm legally obligated to say that on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll be kicked out yeah. as a recording member. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you have the player's um. handbook, right? No, nope. <laughs> boot.
0: Boot from this recording. Um, so the, uh, the other things uh, are all... Things that I watched, um, you know, I finished up the. I, I don't think I am going to watch the last season of it, but uh, it's a show called The Shannara Chronicles. That
1: oh man, did you
0: ever read Terry Brooks? Uh, yeah, Sword of Shannara. Yeah, uh huh. So, MTV of all places adapted mm-hmm. this, and so it's kind really? of like, yeah, it's like a more risque version of like a CW show. Does that make sense? Like it's it's aiming for a little bit older audience, but still teen ish early 20s yeah um
1: what was that show uh mtb had it's called like uh is it like sex or love or you know what i'm talking about originally love when line? they started not love line it was a it was a dramatic uh storytelling show i'll look it up while you're uh, still talking
0: um oh yeah but but uh so yeah the shannara chronicles are fascinating if no one's read them and the show itself actually pulls a lot of weird sci-fi stuff um that is either from stuff i haven't read or they're just making it up entirely um but the the fascinating bit for me is the uh very few things do this most things just focus on like post-apocalypse or apocalypse right this is all post post apocalypse, so like it's on Earth. It's just so far in the future after something very terrible has happened mm. <laughs> that that's where where it becomes fantastical. Um, which is kind of interesting because I mean the the books are, are sort of like that. Like I mean they're they're definitely set in a post post apocalypse, but they they're make like, more like, references. like they're
1: more like young adult kind of right as far as the original like age demographic that they were released for
0: uh no they were released more for like the the like lord of the rings loving crowd really? i mean they were they were more pulp they, but they definitely weren't like young adult
1: oh okay i just remember reading them in like middle school age so oh yeah no
0: of... me too um, mm-hmm. i think that's just because that's that was the level of of pulp novel from the 70s <laughs> the uh, the copies like i i have a nice copy that my wife got me that's the first three books there's like 40 in the series because terry brooks just keeps putting them out but like my first exposure to them were i think in like sixth or seventh grade my dad being like oh you like the hobbit here here's a footlocker full of old <laughs> fantasy novels that, that i bought in high school and college and <laughs> that's <cute>. have fun <laughs> um thomas leper is a very very depressing book to read i I don't think i would want to reread it as an adult
1: (laughs) oh is that just thomas
0: uh, covenant Oh, okay it's a stephen donaldson it's it's a guy that um is a leper in real life but then he has this accident and he goes into a like it's very apparent that he's he's in a coma but Mm -hmm. he goes to this fantasy world where he's just like super badass um but but they're all very nihilistic like the world sucks everyone's gonna die type books um shinar chronicles are not that but there's Mm -hmm. also like 40 of them and i kind of want to go through them um just whenever i have the time and you know Read them from start to finish and see if any of this stuff from the show is accurate.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, that show before was in dressed when I was thinking about a young, like risque yeah. MTV kind of stuff.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember that show. That like that was when MTV was getting more and more away from like music videos, and so that's yeah. where my interest diverged from it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's where my interest started. Um,
0: yeah the uh so the the other thing that we did was uh, we watched um a show on netflix called it's been out for a while called we are the champions there's only six episodes Mm -hmm. but they're fascinating they're they're um speaking with people who compete in sports that are not like the type of thing you would consider a sport necessarily Mm -hmm. so like one of them is cheese rolling and it follows it's it's a group of people competing um in a town in england where they have a very very steep hill hill um and they they show you a shot of it and it doesn't look very dangerous but then they show footage of people like running at full speed down this hill
1: oh yeah (laughs) where everybody runs down it yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah. well and, and they're chasing after um this like five pound wheel of cheese that someone just rolls down the hill, right? Yeah, and so people they get really break.
1: injured. Yeah,
0: they do. Like this this mm-hmm. one one contestant was saying that she had like broken like one of her hands and like dislocated her knee and dislocated her shoulders. Jesus. Um, there was one guy who was just like, "Yeah, my cousin he uh, he doesn't have any front teeth now because <laughs> <laughs> he fell face forward." Jesus. Um, but yeah, like it, it's just a tradition. Like the town doesn't like. I guess they provide security somewhat, but like they discourage people from doing it. But the town just keeps showing up and doing it. So, <laughs>
1: uh, um, all in the name of tradition. Yeah.
0: The uh, another episode was the the chili eating competition that happens in um, South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, held by the um god i forget his name he's the guy that came up with the the carolina reaper
1: oh yeah yeah i've, I've seen the guy he's a character
0: um but they they throw a chili eating competition and it, it's like super hot yeah it it looks it looks so painful like there are people there that that uh, you know they they do this I, I guess it's not professionally i guess it's just an amateur level but
1: uh-huh.
0: um like they look like they're in pain and like there's shots of them like walking away and like having to vomit and then their sinuses being exploded because because of the, the, the chilies and yeah, no. <laughs> so they're
1: they does it come out of their nose or like you see their in sinuses inflamed?
0: Oh you just see their sinuses just completely inflamed. Oh wow. Um The let's see. Fantasy hairstyle kind of interesting it's like fashion shows but like weird hairstyles making kind of like voguing um Mm -hmm. kind of kind of that similar scene i think Mm -hmm. um yo-yo competitions i did not know that there were yo-yo competitions
1: oh yeah yeah no i've looked into them yeah um back when yo-yos were like a big thing in like late middle school Oh, yeah. Everybody needed to have one along with Pogs, you know, <laughs> for a particular time period back then.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the, the last two episodes of that show are, are um, on very bizarre sports. that. So one of them is dog dancing, where people do, like, it's ballroom dancing, but with dogs. Okay. And...
1: Do the dogs follows, dance, or is it? Yeah, the, the dogs p-
0: dance. Like they, they follow in time and stuff like that, right? Oh. So, it, the the episode is hilarious to me because it follows this team of Russian co- competitors, and mm-hmm. the coach is someone who says flat out, "I don't like dogs." <laughs> what? Like she's a she's a, a, I guess a retired ballerina, right? Mm-hmm. So she knows dancing very well. And she knows how to, because she was a ballerina, put on like, like a, uh, an aesthetically pleasing, uh, competition, like performance, Mm -hmm. but she's just like, I can't stand dogs, but she's like the best dog dancing coach in the world, (laughs) 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 which is very funny. Um, You you really
1: have to wonder, there's gotta be an interesting story around leading to someone participating in that and getting it top level.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know what would possess you to do that unless it's just like, well, I can dance, I can frame a show well, guess I'll do this. Guess I'll do this. (laughs)
1: Like, what kind of rock bottom moment do you hit to where you're like, oh, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. (laughs) The regular dance world is just too hard, but just dog dancing, I'm going to come in and destroy it.
0: (laughs) Well, so... The, the, they save the the strangest one for like, cause cause they start out pretty tame and then they go very very weird. Um, and at least for this first season, the last episode is frog jumping, where you know a a group of people will put a giant frog down and then they'll they'll like make a loud noise or stomp near it to make it jump, and whoever mm-hmm. can get theirs to jump the furthest in a single jump <laughs> wins
1: you know this sounds vaguely almost like animal abuse <laughs> it,
0: it kind of seems that way but it's not like like you don't see anything like that but but so the other thing is it follows these competitors and part of the rules of the competition as i understand it is that you can't um like specially breed your frog like you have to find it like it has oh, to be, be a giant. found frog Right. And so like there's this family who like spend their, their time in, uh, they're they're in like river riverside, I guess, California. And so they're mm-hmm. they're just like trumping around in like drainage ditches and anywhere where there's water that collects so that they can mm-hmm. find these giant frogs and like, weigh them and, and be like, Yeah, I think this one will work.
1: Oh, did you see that one jump? Oh, he looks like a performer.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my heavens. <laughs>
0: And, uh, yeah, that I recommend that one. Um, we talk but,
1: about frog breeding, though? I mean, because that's...
0: I mean, I don't know anything about
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, imagine, like, them going out, getting, like, two of the frogs that they have designed, ordained, like, these jump the farthest. We're going to make these frogs have sex, you know?
0: I mean people do that with horses for the kentucky derby so yeah. mm-hmm. i can definitely see you know this competition being weird wanting to be like yeah the the thing that people abuse these animals for we're not doing mm-hmm. any of that it has to be a wild animal you have to release it after you win and you can't use the same one <laughs> or to, to keep you from using the same one rather
1: well, they have to have, like, a catalog, too, of, like, these frogs, like, photos. Like, no, that's that's Mitzi from last season. You can't put her in there. I know her on site. Oh, man.
0: Um, But, yeah, it gets serious. There's a, a competitor that, you know, it's like, I can't remember if they win or not, but it's, um they're like, yeah, lots riding on me. My great-granddad, my granddad, my dad have all <laughs> been a champion. So.
1: Champion. Whoa, man! Don't don't take all that pressure on at once. Yeah, like you got a lot to live up to there.
0: And uh, yeah, the the last one is something that I think you would enjoy immensely. Uh, something my wife found online, and it's so it's a movie called "The Happiness of the Katakuris." Okay. It is a musical horror comedy with claymation, and it's directed by. Takashi Mike. And it is also described as his oddest and also his most infuriating film. <laughs>
1: Interesting.
0: It's a, a musical yeah, comedy so a musical. horror film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's it's largely about a family that owns this roadside motel, and series of disasters happen. And like just the, the 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 way the movie works out is that anyone who stays with them will typically die and then they have to hide this because they don't want this to come out in the news that people have died and they're in it
1: <laughs> that sounds like a great idea I love that no, concept. It's, it's
0: pretty funny, and it's a a lot of weird musical styles in there. Just because it's it's um, a lot of them are riffs on musical stylings that we just don't have in our media here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely like. If you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a sixty four percent. Metacritic has it a sixty. It's way better than either of those numbers. <laughs> I don't think the people who watched it understood what he was doing. <laughs> It's just—it's so funny to me that Takashi Miike does like these hardcore, like super violent gangster movies, and also these weird whimsical musicals.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting. The uh, the Japanese they have these niches creators coexisting, you know, right next to each other. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, wiki. Looks cool.
0: With the. with that, let's uh, let's set the time machine back to January twenty first of nineteen ninety eight. Um, the development of Resident Evil just began in nineteen ninety six. Finally, everything has come to fruition. January twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. Resident Evil two comes out. Right. Uh, let's see. There were. So remember I told you last time that in the Resident Evil remake, there's only four developers? The RE2 team is 45 developers. Like ah. Capcom sunk a lot of money into this. So for um, the remake remakes, the most also, recent one? No, no, no. This is for the original.
1: The original? Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, the remake of, of RE1 had four developers. This one has 45 um, the, for for the original, re two, um, the this was the first time that Shinji Mikami was taken off of a game. He was uh, listed as producer, and uh, a guy named Hideki Kamiya was made the director. Um, apparently they fought constantly <laughs> <laughs> to the point that Mikami had to finally be told that no you're just going to get monthly updates like any other standard producer like we're not <laughs> we're not playing this game yeah uh, with you. Um, they so they first uh, showed the game off in 1996 and I vaguely remember like I was just at the age where I was reading like gaming magazines like GamePro and stuff. And I vaguely remember like a lot of people clamoring and being like, when is Re Two coming? Because it, um, you know, it like I was saying, it it showed first in nineteen ninety six at something called V Jump Festival, which is kind of a, a manga weekend. Mm. Um, and fans now call this footage Re One Point Five. Um, basically, it's the the same story, um, of our of what would become Re Two. Um, there's a you know zombie outbreak, it's two months after Resident Evil, <clears throat> yada yada. Uh, the only difference here is that the, uh, that Umbrella has been shut down, and then the playable characters are Leon and a woman called Elza Walker, who is a college student slash motorcycle racer on vacation in Raccoon City.
1: Oh, that's where the motorcycle thing comes in then. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's yeah. where Claire's yeah. Um the way another thing that, that kind of differed is that so each player had two support characters um, throughout the game that, that just followed them as like AI, right? Interesting. Leon had Marvin. Who is the police officer.
1: Oh, Marvin could have survived. Oh, um, okay.
0: And Linda, who was an early version of Ada. So I don't think he would have survived either way. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, Elsa wait,
1: spoilers, had... spoilers for RE2. RE1.5. RA <laughs> yeah. RE1.5. That doesn't actually exist, but also spoilers earlier for my comment referencing Marvin.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I'll put spoilers in the notes. Um, <laughs> Elza, her, her backup was uh, Sherry, Jer- Sherry Birkin and a guy named John. Um, when they scrapped this, they just recycled his assets, so that's the uh, gun shop in there.
1: Oh, okay. That's, that's
0: what that dude would have looked like following her around. Um, so in this version, the characters also did not intersect. Um, the police department was smaller, was more realistic, It looked less like a giant museum. <laughs> For some reason, um, enemies had fewer polygons, so there were tons of them on screen. Uh-huh. Um, like you could have up to ten of them on the screen at a time. Um, music was dynamic, so it changed based on the situation. Backgrounds were um, changed based on how the game was playing. So, like if there was a fight going on, the edges would kind of blacken out, and there'd be this like fog of war effect. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the character's focusing on this, this section. Um, players could use uh, protective clothing for defense, uh, and they could actually pick up pouches and things to add more items, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had it so that models of the characters were affected by these costume changes, gear, damage, all that. Um, wow. This version of the game got completed up to about 80%. And then mm. scrapped entirely, other than like assets that they would pull elsewhere. Mm. Um, so the reason for that is that Mikami wanted RE2 to be kind of the last in the series and just not open it up for sequels, anything like that. Um, Capcom wanted it to be more open for sequels because they need money, right? They like they like money, yeah, obviously. Um, so they compromised in having this kind of meta universe, kind of like James Bond, where they they designed self-contained stories to be told with kind of common elements in them. Um, you know, Elsa Walker was changed to Claire for a connection to the first one um, without being explicitly part of the first one. Um, characters start uh, limping when hurt instead of having visible wounds. Um, they made North American versions uh, gorier, generally, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the game over screens. Um, they also made it more difficult than the Japanese release, uh, so that people would not do short term rentals, just because that was not a business model um, in Japan. So they had basically the easy mode. Um, the they did put out a Dual Shock version, um, so the the. Japanese version had a USA mode, which was the Western difficulty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Dreamcast port uh, had a playable Code Veronica demo with it, the N64 version. Um, Let's see. It had two 700 meg disks worth of data that had to be fit on a 64 megabit cartridge. Man. So, they reworked it to take advantage of the real time processing, which mm-hmm. um, that port actually was the last one to come out mm-hmm. because they had to rework so much of the game to, to be like, oh, wait a minute, how are we getting 1400 megs into 64 megs? Yeah, they had to like <laughs>
1: procedurally generate, or I mean, some mm-hmm. form of generation. Oh, yeah. For, uh, wow. Yeah. To re- just thinking about having to rework something like that is such a monumental
0: task yeah i i don't understand how they were able to do it um other than like you said procedurally generating things like on the fly because like like, that's the strength of a cartridge um mm -hmm. but yeah like that's just an insane level of compression
1: like you could compress things down and then just have them like unzipped or like hey this is this background texture so you don't have to save as save it as a texture. Here's just like a map, but even then, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I don't develop for games, but thinking about that from a development perspective is really daunting. I can see why it would have taken so long.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, it makes perfect sense now. Why the second one was just like, when is it coming out?
1: Mm-hmm. It's like,
0: well, <laughs> um, there was also one of my favorite ports. <laughs> Because I love stupid things Is uh, a tiger handheld port
1: Yeah I was looking at the game.com
0: Yeah the game.com mm-hmm. it's, uh, It has Leon's story only And it's 2.5D mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that means
0: uh, oh. Yeah I mean It it looks bizarre I don't know how you make a tiger game Based off of Resident Evil 2 That's huh. meaningful Yeah in any way. Um, Now, moving on to the remake, and I figure we can talk about everything at the end.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Moving on to the remake, uh, let's see, came out January of 2019, set in 1998, which I appreciated because I know when I was playing through, I was like, oh man, they're going to update it. And it's like it flashes the date on the screen, and I'm like, Oh, good, <laughs> <laughs> I kept it in 1998. Um, it's uh over the shoulder. Um, I much prefer the controls to this one personally. Um, so I guess thank you to Resident Evil 4.
1: Yeah,
0: um, it's the only you... time
1: Zach's gonna thank Resident Evil 4,
0: by the way. Yeah, spoilers <laughs> for a couple of episodes later. Um <laughs> it's just the
1: tease it's just the tease the mm-hmm. uh the
0: the hardcore mode is interesting where there's finite ink ribbons um, mm-hmm. th- because that is the original mode mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny to me like the the newer game is like oh yeah this is hardcore this is mm-hmm. for gamers only and it's like no this is, <laughs> this is the original one
1: that's how it was um, Though in fairness, like in the original normal version, like you get you get a crap ton of ink ribbons, like just on normal difficulty. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and they they also brought back the fourth survivor and tofu survivor modes. Um, yeah, where you can if you do a second run. I did not do this, but on your second playthrough, uh, with with every other character, so. Um, Tofu Survivor has other unlockable food players, like
1: uh-huh.
0: the Konjac, who's a big potato, mochi flan,
1: and uh-huh. anin
0: tofu, who all have different loadouts and voices.
1: Yes. It's so great. <laughs> it is so great.
0: Um, <clears throat> They released a DLC called the Ghost Survivors in February of uh-huh. 2019, uh, you play as four characters that die in the main game, uh, but it's arranged in an alternate storyline. So there's No Time to Mourn, where you play as Robert Kendo. Uh, Runaway, where you play as Catherine Warren. Forgotten Soldier, where you play as Ghost. And then when you beat all of those, you unlock a fourth called No Way Out, which is the sheriff uh, in the gas station, and he has to kill 100 zombies. Oh. Successfully beat it. hmm Um... Really high scores for the remake. Um, <clears throat> the PC had 89, PS4, 91. bone was 93. Um, my, I don't know if it's something about the way I see things, but like my brother has this game on his mm-hmm. Xbox One.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have the PS4, and I don't see a huge di- I, like I know that's a Metacritic thing, but I, I don't see a huge difference between... Xbox and PS4.
1: Um, yeah, not usually. Depending on the game. Uh, I mean, so that's what a were they? Were there. they they were graded different on their two different releases?
0: Yeah. So, Metacritic, the way they do is they uh, aggregate all of the the reviews.
1: Okay. Get okay.
0: numbered and put it in a zero through hundred scale.
1: Yeah, there might be yeah. some like different loading out times for. Yeah. Or something related to like the textures are different between the two, or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and and you know they're like I was looking at the Metacritic for the original,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: those scores are all over the place. Um, the so Dreamcast got seventy seven. Um, the I have GC here. I'm guessing that's GameCube port was mm-hmm. uh, fifty nine. The N64 was 89, as was the PS. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I had I, the
0: 64 version. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, it was my first experience with playing an RE game because I never had an original PlayStation. Yeah, And uh, yeah, the N64 was my entryway into it. I think I remember there being a setting where you could have the blood be like green as opposed yeah. to like red.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things Nintendo insisted on. I think mm-hmm. it defaulted as green, and you had to turn it on as red.
1: Yeah, yeah. I forget if it was like a cheat code specifically, or it was just like an option.
0: I think it was just an option. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember any cheats around
1: mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah, but I think that was the compromise with it being on Nintendo because they mm-hmm. at the time were just very, very kiddie game. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Uh, I mean, it, it also sixty four. Yeah, they had Doom 64, so I think they were trying to bring some other gaming audience in there, and the way that Nintendo does, they'll uh, invest the time and etc. Because I can't imagine that that port didn't have a majority of like Nintendo support behind it to like bring it onto the system, Uh, whether that's like monetary or like development. Because I know Nintendo has a history of doing that with other game franchises, so like we want this we'll figure out how to get it on there um, and you know maybe maybe it was a different experience but i've seen that in the past with other other games so was that your uh, your yeah, rundown
0: that's, that's that's my rundown yeah.
1: so your history rundown okay <laughs> <laughs> let oh, me give so some context
0: what are your, your th- yeah i always like to throw in some context around it so what are your thoughts on
1: yeah i'd say re2 <laughs> to because RE2 brings in... One moment. RE2 brings in, I think, a lot of... Especially the remake specifically, but I can talk on the original N64 port I played. And I feel like I've played that since then as well. Like, I think I played one of the like Windows ports that they had available. Because I know I've done that with RE3. Um, and i think i also did that with re2 so it's a little more fresh than you know like 20 years ago or something like that um yeah. so i'd say re2 is was my entryway into the resident evil series like a lot of uh, people's entry and i think it it really takes the kind of um experience that i experienced recently in the re1 remake and just sort of modifies that a little bit. Cause I feel like there are some quality of life changes with the areas tend to be a little more open and like the, uh, that hallway. Cause you also have like the main entry hallway in the police station, just like you do with yeah. the home that kind of connects like a hub of places. But I feel like it's a little, it feels a little more centralized in RE2 to where like this place access is pretty much everywhere you need to. Um, and you, you don't venture off way too far within the police station before you can come back to the police hub. Because I know with RE1, and I think it's part of intentionally the design, um, you can get lost uh, a lot easier, especially on like a first playthrough oh yeah in yeah, the yeah, RE1 yeah. area. Because there's no, like, oh, this room's shaped like this, or this room's shaped like that. It's like, okay, this is um, what this room looks like. There's like an ambiance and et cetera with it. Whereas having the police station, it sort of um, homogenizes it a little bit in sort of like, oh, this is like an industrial, or this is like a, a building, you know, that's used for a specific purpose. Even though my understanding is like, they wanted RE2 to look like a retrofitted museum. Uh, it In a way, so that they could explain, like, these, these puzzles. Yeah. It was like, oh, we got past RE1 with a conceit regarding, you know, this is, um, you know, being designed by a really eccentric designer. Uh, how are we going to explain, like, RE2 having the police station just being so weird and not really shaped like you'd consider a police station to be shaped in?
0: It's very bizarre
1: mm-hmm. being shaped like that. Like, yeah has to be on purpose <laughs> yeah it's definitely on purpose because they, they yeah. wanted a, a conceit as a as a museum and I think I remember something about the uh, Kamiya that was brought in like he was originally he did directing for um, like uh, Japanese shows like TV shows um, and so and I think one of them I heard mentioned was like a, a police sort of procedural or something oh. in that vein. Um, or having some experience in that regard and him bringing that police station experience. There was someone on the staff that had um, police procedural kind of experience, at least what would have been that period in time in, you know, Japan television, Um, the Japanese television. So I feel like RE2, at least from the environment perspective, Feels um, a little more open um, with the environments. It's a little more action-oriented. Uh, you're given a bit more autonomy. Like, especially if you're playing with um, with Claire. Yeah. She gets, you know, the rocket launcher, which just, like, decimates, you know, a lot of the enemies. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think... Yeah,
0: especially if you load it up with uh, flame rounds or... Um... Acid rounds, which yeah. I don't know how acid rounds work, but whatever.
1: <laughs> um. They're wrapped in like a special, like there's saran wrapped <laughs> each round so it doesn't explode out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they take, the, it's either the uh, flame rounds or the acid rounds that take out the liquors really easily. Um, and so you you feel a little bit more like an action sort of hero. Yeah. And you have like these little action beats, even in the, the original game. I was talking about some of the themes where it's like dun dun, dun dun, dun 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 dun. You know, that's almost re- yeah. reminiscent of like a Terminator Two, like kind of theme. Um, where like, yeah. yeah, when you're going on the uh, that motorcycle scene, you know, dun, dun 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 dun. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, and that's another thing too. Um, I don't know if you can really pin that on the RE1 remake. But Resident Evil, um, you can actually, in, in some ways, and so I'm not gonna delve into RE1 too much, but like in RE1, you have like that whole shaky cam aspect in the remake. Oh, but like yeah. during the intro, it's like real Blair Witch kind of feel. Right. Where it's like it's like on someone's head cam, like the monsters come out of, or the, uh, the Cerebuses, the dogs, the zombie dogs, pop up, like they're chasing after you. It's a real like first person kind of perspective. Um, and so that's taking from, you know, popular culture and media at the time and, um, you know, resident evil two, I don't know what would have been like a, a popular media kind of antecedent because I I don't know anything particularly that I feel like it's drawing from that I'm aware of, like not having place, like what kind of media would have uh, influenced it in that sense, but you feel more action hero oriented. Like, you have a, a bit more autonomy.
0: Well, it's kind of like, um, it's like Dawn of the Dead to Night of the Living Dead, right? Like, it's it's um, a much bigger place, mm-hmm. still confined, but much bigger. You're a little bit more able to combat the things inside mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that you're stuck with.
1: Because you'll get um, a lot of zombies at once, too, in RE2. Yeah. Yeah not the same way that you will at least in in the remake uh, which was probably like the original re1 like you mentioned that having to like deal with hardware limitations and there there's not a ton of zombies on screen at one time
0: no there's not like and I have to say the um the remake is I actually prefer it mm-hmm. in some ways I haven't um granted I haven't played through Claire's story because I' just Needed to, to get through the game and be like, okay, I need to comment on this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think largely it's the controller um, mm-hmm. and the camera. Like, the, um, you know, it's definitely more action oriented, especially with like Mr. X and the endless chase that I would get pulled into. Where was just mm-hmm. like, okay, how can I avoid this guy? I'm going to go back to this room wait a few minutes and then go back up the hall and he'll be gone okay Duke,
1: Duke, 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 <laughs> hearing him walking away and then the uh the comic book or the uh like comedic door creak that'll go <clears throat> and you'll hear that he's left to yeah. another room yeah it's like oh i think it's yeah. i think it's safe now
0: <laughs> thank god yeah <laughs> i mean but like there were there were sections like especially when he first showed up where um you know i had just been stockpiling ammo and and I guess used to this type of game running around zombies and not really killing them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I built up, um, well, and also I got sidetracked and ended up with a shotgun before Mm -hmm. I first encountered Mr. X because I played it in the wrong order because you Mm -hmm. can, if you know where everything is, you can just kind of play it in the wrong order accidentally. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I went through all of my shotgun shells because I, I just wanted to keep him away. And he kept <laughs> He kept looking for me. I'm like, I got to get to the clock tower. Like, leave me alone.
1: Oh, the clock tower bit is, is quite a bit of tension yeah. getting up there. It, <laughs> some of the best segments I remember is once you get up to the third level where, like, you get close to the clock tower sort of entrance um, and you can look down and you can see him, like, on the second level. Like, if he's there and he's not up there, eventually you hang up on there on the third floor. He'll teleport up. Like, he'll find a way. He won't He won't take a direct, like, walking route because he actually does teleport, uh, yeah. you know, um, kind of shown, like, in people, like, moving the static cam and being able to, like, see where he has his spawn zones and stuff. He yeah. does a lot of actual walking, and then yeah. there's times where
0: they'll actually so, just spawn him
1: somewhere. Yeah, in order to like keep the tension going and etc. Sure. um so that you could be on the third floor, you see him down there, you hear him walk out and then he can eventually teleport up to where, you know, he can kind of cause you danger. So yeah, an a op- more open area. Yeah, I think like you mentioned um even in the the in N64 I specifically remember like there's a scene where there's all these little uh, drawers and like you go in there because you're trying to find something and there's like six or seven zombies in there and if you have like the the um, flame rounds or something you can take care of them but it's a lot more imposing like their presence that they have And um, but you also have more autonomy so yeah. at least related with the remake because you mentioned um, you know um, feeling like better with the controls and also the camera yeah
0: I mean, I know that that's probably not the popular take, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but well, there's a re- like, yeah, there's a reason RE2 has has its fans and stuff. So I I totally get that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I fully recognize like it's a well done game. Mm-hmm. In terms of playing it, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take the remake over that. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. need to replay the first one, even as even though the N64 was smooth.
1: Yeah, this it's nice. There's a. Uh... For me, going back has like the nostalgia uh, campy horror bits. So Marvin's yeah. like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, his voice acting is like terrible. And then when he comes up again, because he rises and he just kind of turns kind of green. Yeah. And uh, you don't really make an emotional connection that really at all with Marvin in the uh, in the original, uh, in the N64 version, or at least the original Uh, Production that was ported over to the N64. Um, So that's another thing, too. There's so much to talk about with RE2 Remake. Um, So I think I'll try to just focus on the remake and then touch upon the original where sort of appropriate. But I feel like enough of the spirit of the original RE2 is in the remake.
0: Yeah, exactly. that,
1: That you can touch on a lot of the original, even though obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be differences here and there. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, the autonomy, I think it being more action oriented with RE2 and having a bit more ability and especially with the remake where your camera angles aren't so restricted. It, it makes it less like a, And some people complain about this, too, even with some of the later games, um, like RE8. Um, But specifically with the remake, um, with the RE1 remake, you have, like, these very static camera angles. You don't have the ability to, like, see what's behind these different angles, whereas things have to just be set up in the RE2 remake where, okay, I'm in, like, this narrow hallway. There's, like, two zombies coming up to me here. I can decide how to handle this situation. So you have a little bit more to play with as far as like your choices and things that you can do, um, and your mobility. So like these guys, they're going to lunge, you know, you can get stuck in situations where there's a ton of them. It's really bad, but how you're able to move isn't really hindered in any respect. So it's, it's more, I think, um, uh, it can be less frustrating. I guess, because your hands aren't really as tied as much by game mechanics that even in the RE1 remake that are meant to increase the tension and they're meant to like m- give you less autonomy to make you feel like you're more in danger. Uh, whereas in RE2, you still feel like you're in danger in different segments. Obviously, Mr. X is a thing. Narrow hallways, bunch of zombies, but you have more utility to sort of navigate them and you don't feel like your hands are tied so much by the mechanics, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I will say though, like the having having that much autonomy. Um, it, I got to be honest; it's been a minute since I played the original. Um, but so with the remake, I was just like, "Oh, huh? This is weird." They restructured this game differently. No, I was just playing further in the game and then had to go back mm-hmm. <laughs> at a certain point where I hit a wall. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, I, I liked it though. Like it was, um, not being as railroaded lets you really experience, like it really adds flavor to that tension. Mm -hmm. Saying.
1: Yeah. Now you, you have a little bit more to, uh, move around in the facility playing the two of them back to back. It didn't feel so much, um, like, part of the puzzle aspect in the item inventory was a little bit more relaxed, I think, in the second game. And I think pretty... It doesn't take as long, I feel, like to get like an increase in your inventory space right. uh, so that it doesn't feel like you're so constricted. And so I didn't feel as much with the RE2 remake that I had to be um, going back to particular areas, like just consistent backtracking, or like, oh, I don't have this item on hand. Um, and like with RE1 Remake, it feels like if you know where all the items are, you know, and you have them memorized, it's a breeze, because you can just pass through. But if you don't have that memorized in your head, then you're like, oh, well, I need to make sure to have this. Oh, I forgot this other thing. Let me have to go back. So there's a little more obstacle in the way of like the puzzle mechanic moving from one place to the next whereas it feels a little more organic in um in re2 where you do have different like areas that you have to unlock but it doesn't feel like every single thing is just kind of like shut up to you like you don't feel like you're kind of constricted and locked in again which i think has to do with that freedom versus like autonomy aspect um that the re2 dynamic kind of um takes place with so yeah, what are some some notes here? The the feel of RE two, that remake, yeah. when you restart it, kind of what's your how do you, how did you feel like playing the the remake again? So, as far as that that intro segment, like before so you the get intro to
0: segment, I was I was like, oh wow, like this is exactly what I pictured in my head watching Mm -hmm. it because I pulled up the intro, uh, of, you know, the, the trucker getting sick and and Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of that. Um, I pulled up the video of that on YouTube and I was like, Oh, that that is, (laughs) that is not what I, what I was actually seeing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so yeah, it, it was very interesting having experienced the first one with, with the second one, just, that similar feeling of having the graphics updated to what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because you have a particular idea of uh oh yeah, I played this as a kid. Oh I remember this segment. And then you look at it again, it's like, oh that's that is not H well. Yeah. <laughs> that's not as dimensional as I remember it being. Right. And then that's you It's
0: not realistic as I remember it being.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember uh looking into the game originally because i was really hyped for re2 uh, remake yeah. when it was announced and then a couple years it was kind of silent and then eventually they started offering a trailer and um reading about how like that burger that the trucker has an re2 remake yeah. how they actually went out and like went to like a like a food store station so that they could find like a greasy american burger because they just wanted like a model of that, and I think what they advise is they three D captured that, like they three D uh, rendered that from like the model capture of that burger, and then they ported <laughs> it over into the game, which I th- I that's think an is
0: interesting way to accomplish that. You know?
1: And I th- I think they do that with a lot of assets, honestly, um, <laughs> which I don't complain about because yeah. if if I'm gonna get a game that's as great as. You know, I, I feel like the RA two remake was and is to play. Um, then I don't need every single asset like handcrafted and tailored. Like that's not that's not why I'm playing the game. Um, and that's a perfectly viable way to uh, you know produce something or make it, and especially with like the um, you know the character model aspects, how you have um, you know Leon and Claire. Um, another like set of where you like you're capturing it from people's faces. And yeah, the models are just, they're, they're gorgeous. I don't mean specifically the models. I don't troll their Instagram. I mean the 3d models and like the level of <laughs> rendering that's there is yeah. fantastic. So there's kind of running into like where to talk about, cause there's just so much, um, the initial impressions for me since I asked you that, um, is like you come in, it's sort of like a cinematic experience uh, in the respect that like, wow, um, this is amazing. Um, like you get to meet these characters uh, as far as like Leon and Claire in that especially if you're playing initially as, as Leon uh, and you're in the gas station and uh, you get to meet his interactions and the way that he responds to things. The character um, details and their interactions and how fleshed out they are as characters is so much more vivid than especially an RE1 remake, which is partially, I imagine, having to do with um, limitations of like animation and stuff at the time, but also like they remade uh, RE1 they wanted to go for like this particular horror conceptual vision. And so the environment plays into so much of what you do. Whereas with something like RE2 remake, the camera's freed. So you get to like pan it around and get to see like character expressions and emotions. And so like Leon will go like, oh shit, you know, or he'll be like, oh man, you know, this again, you know, why won't you stay dead? (laughs) <laughs> you know, and his reactions, like when he first sees the initial zombie or like something else busts out, he has like genuine kind of reactions yeah. that you would be having in that situation. So it's like it's really relatable in that respect. So the characters, I think, in the in the remake are just so much more fleshed out and likable. And they sort of pin you into this experience in a in a much more. um like, realistic way. Um, Because, like, if you watch the... I I was watching a replay a couple months ago of the original RE2 remake, and that zombie... (laughs) That zombie that's uh, in the back of the car when Leon and um, Claire are escaping from the gas station...
0: Yeah.
1: It's just the model of Leon (laughs) with just white (laughs) eyes, and they descale his skin. Yeah uh and one of uh one of the uh, streamers that i watch a bit maximilian you know um do they have that's just lowen that's not leon that's that's lowen that's his his half brother or something or other you know he got zombified it's lowen poor lowen um they also use the lowen name for just leon as well but specifically they called him lowen in that instance so it doesn't hit the same way um and that's fine, but it means that, you know, your relationship with Marvin is much realer in the remake. And, like, you feel for him, you visit him, and you have, like, multiple dialogue segments that aren't where he's just, like, crouched in, like, one of the rooms with, like, a couple pixels of red on his chest. And he goes, like, ooh, you know, and then he turns into a zombie, and you get the dun 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 When he gets up, you know, as he's zombified, you know, Leon's like, oh, no, not Marvin. You know, and uh, so you really feel for him. So you, you yeah. understand that. So, um, yeah, from the intro, when you're coming in and like the cities and ruins, in my mind, without touching upon the RE3 remake, that's what I wanted for like an RE3 remake kind of environment. Things are chaos. The environment's moving. It just feels like a world. Because with RE1 Remake, like, it's limited to the mansion and the underground lab areas and etc. cetera. Um, yeah. And some of the outskirts outside of the mansion a little bit. But with RE2, you feel like you have a little more access to Raccoon City. Um, even though it's, like, it's very kind of guided, you still can see the city around you, and it has, like, a character to it. Um, so... Yeah, from a world perspective, it just—it's just so impressive. Um, as soon as I booted it up, like, and started playing with it the first time, uh, you know, just a big smile on my face and it was just like, "Oh my god, it's amazing!"
0: Yeah, I—I I will say that this is probably the first time I've gone back to like even think about anything Resident Evil related um, after having played six because I played six fell off, then we discussed doing this. And I played um <laughs> I played uh the remake through um just really, really fun. And mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it's it's fun while still being campy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Like I feel like and, and this I'll discuss this later, but but some of the ones that take themselves a little bit more seriously and try to actually be horror games. Mm-hmm are not as fun. They're more mm-hmm. grueling, and I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to spend 10 plus hours
1: mm-hmm. in that.
0: I mean, I think um, this game only takes like eight hours to be
1: yeah. The, yeah. the
0: remake, but um, yeah, no, the, the RE2 remake is, is uh, really, really well done. Um, mm. It's got enough of the initial ingredients to still be Resident Evil 2. Yeah, While still being new and fun, having better controls, having better character screens, things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the uh, touch upon some other aspects in the uh, the remake. Um, like, there's enough new segments, like the little segment you have with Ada later on, where Leon is uh, incapacitated. And you yeah. have that little scanner that she has. Um, and that's like, I didn't expect that segment, because it's not anything like in the original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was just kind of refreshing. And then there's a, uh, the end of that segment there where Mr. X is like chasing you. And it's it's a, uh, a hallway with really no other exits other than moving away from him. Yeah. And so you have to break through like this puzzle environment, unleash some latches, and then break through this little door thing. Otherwise, he's just going to get you in a corner and just pummel you to death. Yeah. You know, as Ada. And you're like, oh, poor Ada. You know, why have I murdered you? And... Um, <laughs> So there's enough surprises there when you go down in the, uh, the, the, uh, underground, um, sort of like sewage system. And you have those big monsters that are, uh, basically breaking offs of like the parasite that infected like chief irons. I'm pretty sure is how the cannon works for that. And, um, those are just a big surprise. So, and lots of just pleasant surprises. Um, and never making it that you felt like you were slogging through something or you were sort of like disconnected from the experience, right. um, to where it still felt like, oh yeah, this is the Resident Evil 2 game. Um, yeah, Mr. X as a game mechanic has been talked about a ton. Uh, I think really, really well done. Um, yeah. I don't think that...
0: It's a nice Uh, merging of the nemesis and something new.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's funny about him is that I feel like, uh, that's something new, but also he feels like an evolution of like the original, you know, RE3. Yeah. Um, you know, protagonist sort of following you and I guess also like a mix of that. And I guess would be like, uh, um, you know, Mr. Baker from like Resident Evil 7, where he's like following you around quite a bit, like an evolution sort of of that mechanic, um, and like a refinement. Cause I think, yeah, RE7, then the RE2 remake came out, um, using the same engine. So, uh, the knife is very OP. That's always fun to see that that still remains a thing in the game. You can kill a lot of the bosses with just the knife. and I yeah. think I think that has to do with from a game design perspective, especially the the bosses in particular, because I don't think it's super effective if a zombie's lunging. If they're still like getting up, then yeah, you can knife them a bunch till they die. but I, I think it's designed like if you run out of a bunch of if you run out of ammo, you still have a way to kill the boss. like you're not gonna be game right. soft locked, right. Uh, which would suck. Those evil plant creatures that are later on, those are great. And I, I touched upon it in the last episode. Those feel like a slight nod to like crimson head functionality where they like rise up again, unless you like burn them up.
0: Oh, I can see that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you have to like super incinerate them or they'll just like come back alive later. Um the way Mister X was integrated in parts of the game that I don't think he was really there before, like the lab section where those plants are, that I can remember, he's not there in the original RE two.
0: Um, I don't remember to yeah. be honest,
1: because I, I just remember the plants being there and being a yeah. thing. Um, the contrast and design from the lab sections, like how pristine they are, to uh, the police station. Um yeah, a ton. In, in in summation, I think re2 really combines it's like a really great middle ground and sweet spot between all those horror elements while still giving the player like action and autonomy to where they don't feel like restricted by the mechanics that you've implemented. Um, and so I'd, I'd say it's probably one of my favorite entries in the series, like hands down.
0: I'd agree with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the the RE2 remake is is yeah, it's probably my favorite one of the ones that I've re-played.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, I actually want to go back and, and do the DLC for this one.
1: <laughs> that that one that you mentioned the uh, the four adventures one. I don't think I've done that because I think I beat the game and I beat Cl- I beat. Um, Claire and Leon's campaign like right after the game came out okay and so I don't think that DLC was present
0: yeah so it was it was released um less than a month 20 mm -hmm. days after um the actual release it makes me wonder if it was like supposed to be included and just
1: Mm yeah it didn't get polished up Yeah. Um, because yeah I beat the first my first go-round like two or three days after it came out oh okay like on launch night i was booting the game up (laughs) sitting (laughs) in my room all the lights off with my headphones on playing that game (laughs) it was just uh yeah it was a moment it was a great moment yep when when uh apocalypses just felt like an escape rather than the everyday mundane basically
0: there is that.
1: <laughs> there is only that, Zach. There's I gotta tell there.
0: you, the experience of playing through RE7 and 8 for this
1: mm-hmm. in the middle
0: of a pandemic is not, is not the ideal way to experience this game.
1: Oh wait, I'm all alone? How is this any different from real life?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, how strange.
1: <laughs> I'm stuck inside this house and I can't get out? wow how novel
0: it's like a never-ending day <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i'm being chased by this thing that i can't see it's like ever-present danger hmm. oh that's <laughs> great it <must> be
0: terrible <laughs> How terrible for them
1: yeah <laughs> oh man yeah that's too real that hits too real yeah seven seven, and eight I feel we won't touch upon them, but they're they're really tone shifts um
0: I mean even from the older stuff that was supposed to be scary
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah, they're real tone shifts, and I think it's yeah we can touch upon them, but um yeah, later, but they're real tone shifts in comparison to this it's different dynamic it's like if you got the re4 autonomy and um you amp that up a bit and you just saw which way that led you with seven it's more like leaning on the horror like claustrophobic elements and then with eight it's more like opening the world back up again like you'd have with an re4 so i don't i don't even know um because there's there's huge fans of all these different games. like we obviously really enjoyed two, um, but is something like two again on the docket really for Capcom to make again? You know, like this kind of remake because uh, they're moving yeah, forward they're with seven with, and eight.
0: They're they're doing um, an RE four remake, aren't they?
1: Yeah, but that was that really feels more like what you'd have with RE eight. Like, RE8 feels like the the uh, tryout. Yeah. yeah. The tryout for returning to RE4 land really hard with, like, the village perspective and all the different villagers and their utility and things like that. So it's almost like what I'm saying is, like, to bring it back to RE2, are we going to get another game that's like RE2? Because it, it obviously did so well. It has a huge rabid fan base. But how do you evolved
0: no like it's such a walk back from what they've already done
1: mm-hmm. like
0: but, I, I don't but, know how you, you back away from that with the amount of fans that are wanting more games like this
1: well yeah games more games like two this yeah. remake mm-hmm. yeah and seven and eight don't really scratch that itch no um they're different games and they 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 feel and you know um you experience them very different and seven has you know great fans as well, um, as far as, like, numbers, because, I mean, it sold like, like hotcakes uh, when it came out. And um, so I think it eventually ended up selling better than 6. So, again, it's almost like in my head, who's going to make another game like RE2? Um, again, if it's not Capcom, I mean, because they're the Japanese... Sort of mindset is, and depending on it depends on the development company too, is like pushing forward, like making something different, like evolving what they've done, and so they got to revisit too, and obviously knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if there's really an appetite for making another game that's like this instead of just moving forward with what they're doing, which is another re4 remake um re9 which if you know if you played re8 is definitely something that's the seeds are planted there yeah um yeah but it, it's also kind of um i don't know i guess a little bit sad in that i want to play re9 i really loved re8 but i'd love to revisit like a game that explores some of the RE2 universe again, um, at least from a mechanic world perspective, uh, etc. Which is what RE3 is supposed to be because they're happening like concurrently. Yeah. But anyone who's played the RE3 remake knows it. There's enough differences there that it's not the same, really.
0: Right. So, I check out the DLC. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's that's something I plan on doing at some point. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, if you're looking for that feel yeah i think that's the only thing coming out i i I don't know what else they have like you said on their
1: their, Mm -hmm. uh,
0: docket of releases
1: yeah yeah interesting uh because re2 was made in-house by capcom the remake like they handled all that production and re3 was um, given over to another company uh, to handle and so they had all the assets They had the engine. They had everything they needed. And I think some of the changes they did were were welcome and kind of cool. Um, But I think not having the same kind of production team, the level of care, um, led to RE3, uh, at least for me and some of the other fans, not really receiving it the same way. So I only really say that because if someone was like, oh, you really loved RE2 re3 remake seems like the logical secondary to that but it's it's not no. um and so you know what do you do when there's only so many people at capcom to focus on these games and uh yeah you really love re2 remake i guess yeah i, I don't know it's
0: just this one little perfect little yeah thing.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah unless you want to jump into game development and make an re2 knockoff sack we can launch launch a new <laughs> podcast for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Step that's, one: learn Unity. Zach's <laughs> like
1: my copy of RPG Maker isn't able to do this. It's not. <laughs> it really, it's
0: not <laughs> it. Um. Yeah, I think I still have a Unity mm-hmm. login.
1: Yeah, we'll but, see. Uh, yeah,
0: no, I'm I am by no means a visual artist. <laughs> yeah
1: another horror games they just hit they hit different like that other one I think we had a podcast way back we talked about um, it's also a Japanese horror game title it's not the, the darkness one? no it's not bloodborne um, Japanese horror game for it had a um, evil within
0: oh yeah yeah yes
1: Evil Within 1 and 2. I, I think, think we
0: briefly discussed it. I don't think we ever did a full-fledged.
1: Yeah, movie. I think I did a Me, Me, Me segment where I talked a little bit about it and sort of my feelings. Because um, it, it it touches on psychological horror and then it gets to like fantasy almost like absurdist horror with like a heavy leaning into like body horror elements. Um
0: that explains why i liked the first one
1: yeah yeah and it's <clears throat> it's got like a vague uh, silent hillsy vibe but to me like silent hill is um uh, at least one even 1 2 and 3 um they they're more dystopian in their feel there's a lot more isolation um
0: yeah there's even more action
1: within. Evil within
0: yeah, Evil Within to me feels like if you took, if you took um, Silent Hill and House of the Dead and made an mm-hmm. adventure game out of it. Yeah, or an action game rather, not adventure. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of goofy. Like I don't know if you remember how the first one opens up, but you slide for miles down this gross little uh, ramp to get mm-hmm. the
1: basement. Oh yeah, yeah um, so if you
0: keep getting hit by the saw blades it just extends the length that you're falling mm-hmm. which to me is like okay where how how far <laughs> underground am I at this point like
1: uh there's there's uh there's a fine line I think between like absurdist horror and it just becoming absurd uh, yeah. yeah, so that's. That's a weird thing. It, it's another game thing, but it's it's just touching upon that in relation to, like, where else am I going to get an experience like this? And who knows? I mean, we're, we're still yeah. alive, so something else might come along. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's it. That's all I have to talk about, I think, for now.
0: Okay. Uh, well, who is our sponsor this week?
1: Oh, um, our sponsor this week is Tiny Bags. Tiny um, Bags. Bags so tiny, you can't fit anything in them. Okay. Um, And it's for the kind of people that want to have a bag on them but don't want to have the hassle of thinking about what they need to put in that bag. Because there's no way. It's like if you've ever reached into like a lady pocket, consensually, of course, or you Mm -hmm. just picked up a pair of lady pants, and it has one of those sewn-up pockets. It's like that except there's no even like lip on the seam. It's just completely (laughs) sealed and sutured at the top. (laughs) <laughs> so tiny bags for when you don't want to have the hassle of thinking about what to carry with you other than your tiny also, bag.
0: Also, I'd like to point out that people should be uh, ready for that, that drop date for whenever Mr. triple X comes out.
1: So, oh, Mr. Mr. Triple X. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm still negotiating between um, starring Vin the, Diesel, Vin Diesel uh, and his, um, his agent, who I found online in an online chat room, obviously. Yeah. I just looked up Vin Diesel's agent, and I've been chat messaging with him quite a bit to see about a, a biopic to sort of branch out Mr. X's uh, original like generation and his life and what he's feeling and his experiences uh, as he's chasing Claire and Leon around the police station. <laughs> and uh really try to biopic him because there's a lot there i feel like like we don't get to hear him talk maybe if he does talk he's just gonna say like mr triple x and that's it uh because vin diesel seems to do really well with that just uh saying his name or mouthing noises Uh, it's like his forte so it's a match made in heaven really i think so hopefully um vin diesel's agent um I messaged him the other day on uh, on Penguin. He's going to uh, give me some more details about his contract <laughs> stipulations. Yeah, Mister Triple X. Look for that uh, release soon. A trailer within the next two weeks, most likely. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, our our book club book is uh, still Brandon Sanderson's Elantris. So be looking for that uh, in a while.
1: Uh, yeah, book. Look way too big to fit into the tiny bag. You probably yeah, need the flat. Way bag too big to one. fit in
0: that tiny bag. Yeah. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.